welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig, and I am desperately trying to contain my excitement about this episode. Finally, it happened. The one and only Michael Buckley is my guest today. And if you know who he is, you know that he's a very special person in my life and so many of your lives at the very beginning of YouTube. He's an OG YouTuber. He is a fast talking, sassy, gay, uh, gunkle, uh, uh, and now YouTuber turned life coach. His whole journey through the world of new media is wonderful. It started as a public access television show that he created himself, and now he lives in his twin sister's basement and is life coaching and living his absolute best, most fulfilling, most purposeful life. It's, ugh, he oozes excitement, he oozes uh, advice, and uh, just a vibrancy that is so pure and wonderful. I hope, hope, hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Here's Michael Buckley on Not Too Deep. Uh, I'm so glad I got Michael Buckley in between his um, furious tweeting at our current president of the United States. So thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I literally wasn't on Twitter for years and I thought, I'll come back and I'll, this is what I'll do with my time. Oh, uh, but I love it. It's like one of my new favorite things to watch because Twitter to me is helpful and is also obviously like a dumpster fire at the same time and so it's hard to like sift through and want to see what's happening but then not want to see everything that's happening and i like that your tweets are constructive like they're a little sassy but they're also constructive for the president thank you i took a strength assessment and my number one strength was humor my number three strength was perspective so i'm okay. always trying to use humor <laughs> and perspective and now the president doesn't have any self-awareness, and I'm sure he doesn't read tweet replies. And fun mm -hmm. fact, I actually have him muted. But yes, I right. look, it's like looking up your ex-boyfriend on Facebook. We're not friends, but I want to know. So exactly. I muted you, but I'm dying to know what weird stuff you're tweeting today, leader I of the free it. world. <laughs> oh, man. Did you ever think you'd be here in 2020 spending your time doing that? I knew it was all going to shake out like this. And it's funny because I made a video on the YouTube.com in 2006 and the uh, title was Donald Trump is an asshole. And so uh, I'm like, I, I knew we'd be here someday. You manifested a lot of things, apparently. I did. I did. I did. I, did. <laughs> well, I love 2020. Uh, I mean, it's I love that you have found the ability to love it. The because uh, what else are you going to do? You're just going to like waste your energy hating something you can't change necessarily. It's terrible and it's ridiculous and it's a dumpster fire or it's a beautiful growth opportunity. So it's mm -hmm. so funny when I'm working with people, they show up and they want to work on stuff. And it's like in 2020, we had back to back growth, back to back growth opportunities, whether we wanted them or not. Here's yeah. COVID which totally resets our reference points and gives us an opportunity to grow. And then just when we kind of get used to COVID, here's uh -huh. racism. And it, yeah. so it's like COVID, racism, Donald Trump. It's, it's whether we, and if we're not growing and evolving, this is terrible. And yeah. we're waiting for this to be over and to be solved. And so I'm really focusing on all the lessons I'm going to learn this year and all the wonderful takeaways I'm going to have on the other side of this. Well, uh, that's really beautiful. And I think that you have a lot of 
experience in growing and changing more than a lot of other people. On that note, let's start back at the beginning of of your public access television show, <laughs> which was what I learned the impetus for your YouTube channel. No. Yeah. So in May of 2005, I slept on down to Wallingford Public Access Channel with 18 hours worth of cue cards. And I just started talking about local government. I'd make fun of the mayor. If somebody got a, a fence, I'd be like, shout out to the Spitz. They got a permit for a fence. I would read the police. I would read the police blotter. Like I was insane. So I would, and then I would do celebrity news. And uh -huh. so, right that segment kind of became what the buck show which was a five minute rant about celebrities in the middle of my public access show yeah wow so you've always been interested in the world around you you've always been interested in like people doing things and what they're doing totally and i'm always looking for the humor so i remember it was funny because i used to watch reality shows like the real world or survivor mm -hmm. or american idol season one and i would take i would literally have a pad like this and i would write down <laughs> jokes there was nothing to tweet there was right. no youtube but i would write jokes thinking i'm gonna go to work tomorrow and drop some kelly clarkson jokes <laughs> So lucky, lucky for me, Steve and, you know, what's his name, put together YouTube so I could thrive and share my terrible jokes with millions of people. Dozens Amazing. now. <laughs> I mean, okay, so you have this public access TV show, which is just so funny to me that you did that and sought that out and, like, made it your own. It's incredible. Like, you're a true, like, renaissance man using the resources at your fingertips that you had. Thank you. Uh, and then you get on YouTube and then What the Buck Show blows up in like, what, 2007, 8, 9? Yeah, 2007. Like my first hit video was like November 2006. So I was pretty, pretty popular pretty early. Like I definitely yeah. put it, I had a year's worth of content before anybody really saw me. And then I had one video get like 200,000 views. And that's kind of when my adrenaline hit in and I was like, I don't know how many people are tuning in in Wallingford, Connecticut, but 200,000 people across the globe are watching me make horrible jokes about Beyonce <laughs> and Jennifer Hudson. And so, yeah, so that's when it, 2007, I started yeah. doing it five days a week. And then, yeah, then the partnership program and then life and that retirement. And <laughs> yeah, well, so, so you're doing it in 2007 and the partnership program happens and that for people that don't, know what that is that's basically how would you describe it because i it's like youtube created uh like a they offered to pay the creators basically like if you reached a certain number of views i forget exactly how it worked do you remember until that point yeah so up until like that point we were all just dumping content on the internet and no making no thought that you could monetize it that just sounded right. ridiculous and so in the summer of 2007 youtube handpicked like 40 people and said we're going to share revenue with you and it was like a 50 50 split or a 40 60 split or whatever right. And I just remember getting the email from George Strompolis, who then started full screen and was, you know, very big in the space in the beginning. And I remember crying. I remember being <laughs> like, oh, my God, my life is going to change. Fast uh -huh. forward to two months later when I got my first check for like $100. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
oh, well, I've gotten millions of views and I've made $100. Don't give up your day job. <laughs> right, and, right. Um, so, yeah, but that partnership program started very small. And then I remember like two years later, suddenly everybody being a partner and being like, but I was so special. I had right. a banner. I had an <laughs> ad. On the- yes. I'm so special. You know I'm important. I've got a banner. Uh-huh. People, people don't know what we're talking about, but it felt like such a big deal to get a banner and then email someone on MySpace and be like, can you make a banner for me? Yes. I remember trying to figure out like a very crude like MS Paint or something to make myself something. It was, and then you asked people to put you in their sub boxes because that sub was a way to, to market yourself. And so when you're doing this, did you, because it was still lost on me in the beginning years of YouTube, probably because I was working for another company that like owned all my content, but it, the idea of it being a business was still kind of, I feel like I was really slow to pick up on that. Did you kind of set your eyes on that once you saw numbers coming in and like understood and like realized the business part of it? I understood it pretty quickly because I remember after like four months of not much money, then YouTube changed the way the ads made. And suddenly I was making like $10,000 a month. And right. suddenly, and that was way more than I was making at my day job. And then I really did reach out to people. I remember reaching out to um, like the CW and just asking to promote their stuff. And they were paying me like $3,000 a pop to promote stuff. I remember wow. reaching out to I remember reaching out to Sony and just saying, I love your content. You have no views. Do you want to work with me? And they would pay me to promote stuff. So I definitely was. And again, I was a grown up. So there was such a difference between me and like 17 year olds who were like, I want them all to think I'm their best friend. I would hate for anybody to think that I was making money off of this. So I definitely enjoyed the money and went for the money. And I remember talking to you around 2012 and asking you specifically about a brand deal and you told me like how much you made and I was like oh they should have paid you like 10 times that I know. <laughs> you had I was no so idea yeah. Yeah. yeah I was truly in it for the content sake as long as I could like pay my rent I was doing okay and yeah you and Hannah Hart uh both really grilled me on being uh stronger and having a bigger backbone when it came to the business side of things but the okay, so how long would you consider like yourself actually like truly active in the YouTube space? So I like to look at it like I feel like I was active 2006 to around 2016, like full time. And I always think of my career like I loved it for like I loved it unconditionally until around 2011. So I had about five great years and then I started to fall apart mentally and I really Mm -hmm. wasn't enjoying the content I was making. So then I had about three years of just struggle busty, still making content, but really not enjoying it. And then in 2016, I decided to retire What The Buck Show. I wasn't getting any views. I wasn't making any money. I was playing a character I had created for public access 10 years ago. (laughs) And so it it was, it was time to go do yeah. something else with my life. But I did spend the next two years or so still making videos occasionally, still getting some sponsorships, so wanting to maintain my YouTube persona in case anybody wanted to throw a couple thousand dollars at me here and there. Uh-huh. Um, but 
yeah, but now I am officially retired and have no interest in creating content on YouTube. <laughs> I, I find that so inspiring. Did you have, I mean, cause you say like it took three years of, you know, half-heartedly making things. Did you, do you remember, was there like an aha epiphany moment that you were retiring the show or was it just kind of a uh, build up over time of gradually like just not finding the fun in it anymore? Yeah, like it had built up over time. And I mean, it was the longest I had ever done anything. Like I had worked with yeah. autistic children for seven years. I was in an executive assistant office role for six or seven years. And then being a YouTuber was such a goofy career. And again, yeah. now I'm a life coach. I could have kept my head in the game. I could have coached myself to success. I could sure. have figured it out. I didn't want to figure it out. Yeah. I had outdone myself. And I mean, I, honestly, I could see myself in 10 years being like, I'll make content again. But at this point in my life, my life is so satisfying and different and happily removed from it like even if i make a video now it's like here's a video but i'm just it's not what i'm doing it's like it's like i look at youtube the way i look at playing soccer it's just something i do but it had taken over so much of my life and that's the thing too like we were the first generation of youtubers so it's like a teacher knows you're gonna get your summers off an actor knows the role is over it's time to go do a sitcom yeah. as a youtuber you don't really have clear boundaries and expectations and again really it is financial too so it's like if i make 20k a month and then the next month i make 2k i'm like this is do I want to even be doing this? And then I find there's a loneliness and it's, it's, and I see creators and I can just see it in their eyes. I'm like, I never had that many friends. And so suddenly yeah. to have a million subscribers or thousands of comments, it did give me dopamine and it yeah. did give me joy. But it also now in, I have so many real life friends. I like, Oh, that's so different than what I did. <laughs> you know, totally. So, yeah. But that's why I think your story is so important and so helpful to, I think, myself and a lot of other people. Like you said, you can see it in people's eyes. You can tell, you can read between the lines. Like you can really get a vibe from someone the same way you can get a vibe from someone that makes them popular and that's why you like them. You can also get a vibe that like something's off with this person. And to be, I think a lot of people struggle with the ability to finally truly walk away from it, like you said, because there's no boundaries. So we have to create it for ourselves. We have to make the individual decision to say, I've gotten what I need out of this and I can walk away. For you to find life coaching after YouTube, was that, did you know that that's kind of where you wanted to go? Or was that sort of like, like reaching in the dark for something and you found life coaching? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of two things. Number one, I bought a book about life coaching in 1999 and it's such a goofy field. Like it's a joke on a sitcom. You watch Roseanne right. and Aunt Jackie is a life coach or right. Allison Janney, and a person who doesn't have their life together. You're a life coach. It's like mm -hmm. when you see your friends on Facebook who are therapists and you're like, why do you seem like the messiest bitch here and yep. you're a goddamn therapist? But yep. anyway, that's another, that's another story. <laughs> but so I bought this book about life coaching and I was like, this is fun. This is cool. This is positive psychology, which I'm very interested in and well-being mm -hmm. and emotional health and gratitude and all that stuff. But it, I, then I just forgot about it. I put the book away. And then, so that's my first introduction to life coaching. Um, and then in 2015, when life wasn't going well, I did hire a life coach. And five minutes later, I was like, oh, I get it. So wow. it was, 
it was so lovely because I had gone to therapy and rambled and got no offense. To, I didn't need therapy. I didn't. Sure. Need, I didn't need to go a deep dive into therapy. I just yeah. needed a life coach to kind of give me some direction and some questions and some perspective. And I really and I say this all the time. The moment I realized that I was the problem and I was the solution, I was flooded with self-confidence for the rest of my life. Because until that point, YouTube had caused me a lot of problems or my ex-husband had caused me a lot of problems. Or yeah. And I think of all the dumb, I see people now tweeting about YouTube. I'm like, go, YouTube yeah. owes you nothing. YouTube <laughs> owes you nothing. YouTube, oh, I promise you, go get a job um, you know, or, or, or love it. You love it or you get the hell out of there. I, yeah. you know, you know, it's like, I, that's the thing. Like you see people on Twitch for 12 hours. I don't want to get a job. Go get a job. It's okay. I know. I feel yeah. like it's just, uh, you've become one of the audience members on like Jerry Springer. That's like, go get a job. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I promise it's good on the other side. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think life, I'm the product of life coaching. And so that's the other thing. Like I know people who reach out to me and life's not going well. And they're like, maybe I'll be a life coach. Or I talk to a YouTuber who's like, I give advice on my channel. I should be a life coach. I'm like, that's not what I'm doing, but okay. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> lovely that these teenagers look to you for advice and you're like, maybe right. that, that maybe, again, it's not, for me, it is my great life passion and my great life fulfillment. And, and so that's it. Like that's, I, I fell into it by purpose, but I've always wanted this. So I love that. I love that. That's, yeah. That's great. And it's just really great to watch you find your purpose that isn't connected to YouTube. Like you're saying, yeah. like they owe you nothing and it's okay to walk away. And I feel like that's the thing that a lot of people are struggling with right now is the idea of walking away and not knowing how else they could get fulfillment in another area of their life. And so I think it's really important for you to be like sending that message because I've been talking about this a lot with everyone. Like we're the first wave of people that have been doing YouTube like this. So there's no real studies on the effects of it uh, on our psychology, the way that like we have, we can study like, you know, child actors and things like that, that mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting effects on different types of people uh, from being so heavily involved in this platform for so long. And I think it's really great to see people like you evolve out of it and succeed uh, outside of it, but still be able to like. And I love it. I yeah. love it. I have no complaints. You will. I have, I have written blogs about, I have nothing but gratitude. I have a tattoo of a YouTube logo. <laughs> I, I have great. I love my ex-husband. It doesn't mean I want to be married to him anymore. I love right. YouTube. It doesn't mean I want to be a famous content creator anymore. There's nothing but joy and gratitude. When I see creators who are after me tweeting weird things about YouTube and they're like, don't, don't but they owe me, they owe you nothing. It's yeah. been lovely that they've given me so much money and so much fame. I've moved on. If I, again, I see people who are trying and they make a Patreon and they make a Twitch and they're like, again, if that's what you want to do and you like your, like if I'm coaching you right now and if you're a yeah. YouTuber listening to this, if you want to be on YouTube and you like your reason for being on YouTube, yay, focus on that. But if you're just chasing something that's really not there and you are constantly looking for an external solution to an internal problem, there's not enough likes or money in the world that's going to solve this. And YouTube does give you that quick dopamine, but it is like putting a Band-Aid on what you need to solve. Yeah. Whew. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and let that <laughs> settle in because, oh, that's hit me on all the good spots. Okay, we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep and Michael Buckley just preaching some truth. Not 
Okay, uh, Michael, in in line with like y- you giving up YouTube, uh, you've also given up alcohol, Real Housewives, and fast food. What what which of those three, alcohol, Real Housewives, or fast food, was the most difficult to give up? Probably Real Housewives because it's on Hulu every season and it's good <laughs> to fall asleep to. So yeah. it's funny because like fast food took a couple tries. Alcohol was actually easy, but if I had to rank them, and also I'm a lovely person and I wish to see the best in you. So Sonia Morgan, Ramona Singer, Dorinda, I wish to see the best in you, but you're not giving me much these days. So it's taken me, it's been a a conscious uncoupling of the Real Housewives. Yeah, I know, because one of my favorite things is watching you uh, watch the Real Housewives. Thank you. And I'm also a major fan, but I share the same, like, discouragement that their character arcs, Melissa and I were literally just talking about this before we started the podcast, that they were like this, and now they're just slowly going down, and it's hard to watch that happen. And there's nothing aspirational. So when Bethany's on, there's aspiration. And she's the good comedic peanut gallery. But left to their own devices, Dorinda, Ramona, Sonia being shit-faced at 60 years old, I'm not that compelled to watch this, you know? I agree a hundred, a hundred percent. So what are you watching now? I'm not good at TV. I'm not really, like, I do my best to watch a program because I want to do Instagrams and I want to Uh know what's going on in the world. But then I end up looking and I just put on Golden Girls, Designing Women or Sex in the City or something (laughs) I've seen a lot. But I will say I love, I'm watching on Disney Plus, I loved Encore, where they're in okay. their musicals and they go back and redo them. Cast of yes. 92 would love to do Guys and Dolls. Xavier <laughs> High School, Middletown, Connecticut, sign me up. But I also love, I'm watching a docu-series on the making of Frozen 2 and I cry mm. every episode. So that's oh. fun. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so you now live in Colorado. And you live with your twin sister and her children. And uh, with that, can you explain to people who might not know what a gunkle is? A gunkle is a homosexual uncle. So, yes. <laughs> Do you I describe yourself? Uncle. Okay. Yeah. And I uh, live in a basement. It's amazing. I always love telling that story, too. I went from living in two four-bedroom homes with attics and um, basements. And now, I mean, and now I live in a basement. <laughs> I no, feel- but people would see me and be like, it's not going well. I'm like, there's nowhere I'd rather be. I used yeah. to wander around my home like, what am I doing? And now, as a, now that I'm here, my old brain is always looking at homes like, I should go live in an old four-bedroom home. I'm like, I want to live in a one-bedroom condo mm-hmm. or a tiny house for the rest of my life. I don't I don't want all that shit, you know? No, that's so great. It feels like you've definitely simplified your life from every I aspect. These are the only books I have in the world. The other day, I gave, got rid of my last three knickknacks. When I moved here three years ago, I kept three knickknacks of all wow. of my knickknacks, and I thought, I love these. They still bring me joy, Marie Kondo. But then I looked <laughs> at them the other day. I'm like, I don't wish to be a person with any knickknacks. I had wow. expensive coffee table books. I don't wish to be a person with any of this shit. 
So again, I have nothing. I have the clothes on my back, a computer, and just, I love it. I love that. I watched the documentary on minimalism and the guy said, love people, use things. And I realized like alcohol, the moment yeah. I quit alcohol, I started shopping more. So again, talk yeah. about looking for an external solution. There wasn't going to be enough throw pillows in the world from home goods. So it's like, <laughs> I definitely was like, yay, buy stuff. And now I'm like, I want nothing. <laughs> wow. I mean, except for your J crew, you have to keep I love you J. stocked. Crew. Yes, I'm not <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> I that blows my mind that of all the sponsorships that could be still floating in your ether, that one has to come through soon. Oh my god. Uh, um, okay. What seems to be the most common? You're working with a lot of clients in life coaching. Is there one common issue that is the most prevalent either through clients or through like messages that you get on Instagram or Twitter or anything? Is it is there one like overarching theme that people seem to come to you about? So here's the funny thing. When you hire a life coach, you fill out a form and you generally show up and you have things that you want coaching on. And then mm -hmm. the more you coach and you learn, you realize that again, you're the problem. It's not your right. mother. It's not your career. And a lot of times it is just your self-love. It is your self-worth. It's like, it's amazing that if I don't feel loved and worthy and give myself that every day, I'm constantly looking for it from a new boyfriend or a new career or a bigger house. And so again, mm -hmm. I will coach you on what you come for, but then ultimately you realize, oh, it's a little bit more of just, I need to like and love and appreciate myself more on a daily basis. So yeah, mm -hmm. so a lot of people come for coaching and then they realize, oh, it's, it's me. And I it's just need me. to be nicer to myself <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> it's always been me. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you could design your own float for a pride parade and there was the budget was no option, what would it look like for you? It would look like Christine Baranski, Julie Walters, and Amanda Seyfried in the scene from Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, Angel Eyes. So it would be Greek Island, and they would be in their caftans, and it would look like the scene. Go on YouTube right now and type it in, Angel Eyes, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. That's all I want in the world. Oh, I love it. Uh so, I mean, you're t talking about before, like you went from two big homes to a basement in your sister's house, it, that your life feels like it's like ripe for a movie. And if it was made into one, who would play you if it, obviously not for yourself? Oh, my God. Somebody gay. Somebody <laughs> very gay. <laughs> I mean, I would love to say someone hot like Bradley Cooper, but it would probably be some like nerdy, bald guy. Um, Ed Harris. No, no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know okay. who would play me. I would play me. I was doing a reading the other day of a movie on like a Zoom call because, you know, it's 2020 and that's what we're doing. And uh -huh. they said, have you seen the movie? And I said, no, don't worry. I'm just going to do Valerie Cherish from the comeback doing this role. That's the performance <laughs> you're going to get. So, you're, you know. Any acting and someone tries to direct me, I'm like, you're going to get Michael Buckley playing <laughs> Valerie Cheris and playing Lisa Kudrow on the comeback. So good luck directing me. Yeah, that's, uh, I want I'm you to know artist. up front. Exactly. Yeah, we can collaborate, but I already know what my part is. <laughs> this is my role. Um, okay. Do you think you actually match well with your astrological sign? Oh my God, I'm a Gemini. I have a Gemini tattoo. Okay. I am a twin. So it's funny because Gemini is twin, 
I yeah. think I have a mug and it says witty, um, optimistic, intelligent, and adaptable. So yes, mm-hmm. if you Google Gemini, uh-huh. I definitely fit the mold of that. I love that. There is a duality. I just made a sign because that, that means twin. For those watching uh-huh. at home, I'm signing twin. Or no, that's toilet. This is twin. <laughs> I fixed up my tease. This is toilet. This is twin. Okay. But being a twin, um, you know, it's a bit of like a Gemini tends to have a split personality, but I do actually have a twin sister. But in terms of the split personality, there is a warmth and a coldness to me. And I love mm. that. I used to hate it because I am so warm and lovely. The moment yeah. I'd get cold, I would be like, oh God, now I love when I'm cold. So again, yeah. all my, I love, and that's the thing about life coaching too. I always say, I love all the terrible things about myself i'm not i'm not conditionally i i oh i love me when i'm rich and when i'm thin and when i'm in love i love me when i'm horrible i'm a human being i love all the terrible things about myself oh that's lovely uh well in terms of like in coaching you're obviously giving so many pieces of advice who do you go to for advice so that's interesting because I have a lot of like coaches and mentors and stuff. And I tried, I've been through so many training programs that I feel like right now I'm not following anybody like that because yeah. I've been solidifying my voice as a coach versus when you start coaching and you do a program, you kind of end up sounding like that person. So if you go to a Tony Robbins course, you might just start, oh, he sounds like Tony Robbins. So, or, oh, you watch a lot of like Brene Brown and now you're talking about vulnerability and all that. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of coach training five years ago, four years ago, three years ago. And now I'm always just kind of like, just, just listening and learning and reading positive psychology. I also love rereading books. So like I'm rereading the seven highly habits of effective people. I love Mm. this book. And this is a book I read years ago, but it didn't hit me right because my brain wasn't ready for it. So I love reading books five years later, 10 years later, two years later. So I'm always reading. I'm always doing online courses. I use Coursera or Udemy, and I'm always taking courses in positive psychology or neuro-linguistics or philosophy. So it's funny how during COVID, all my free time is just spent reading and doing online courses. So that's what I'm doing a lot of. Cool. What, um, What's, I know you're into office supplies too. Is there any, what's your major recommendations for those that are building their minimalist home office? When I was a child, Grace Helbig, <laughs> all I wanted to do was go to my father, Dennis Buckley's office and raid the filing cabinet of supplies. And I couldn't wait for the day when I had my own stapler and tape dispenser. Like this was it. I wanted these like they were toys. Uh, Now today, my favorite office supplies are having a stand for my phone. You can get an eight pack on the Amazon. I would never want my phone to not be in a stand. And I love a giant post-it. So uh, I've got giant post-its in all these beautiful colors. And this is what I use for like my vision board affirmation wall. So I've got all my goals. I've got all my best feelings. I've got all of my mantras. So I love a giant post-it, which is a good visual cue of all the things I want to be thinking and feeling and achieving all day. That's wonderful. And uh, like just a, I love a big size anything. It's great. (laughs) I mean, and we'll skip over that. Uh, Okay, let's talk about tattoos. So you have... How many tattoos do you have at this current moment? 28. 28. And how, when was, when did you get your first tattoo? 
So exactly four years ago, yesterday, I got a YouTube play button. I think I was drunk. Uh It's hideous. It's deformed. It doesn't look like a play button. For a first tattoo, like you should get a tattoo here. I got it right on the floppy part of my wrist. (laughs) And so it's always being deformed and hideous. So that's what, but I love it. I love it. I love it. Again, I love and I love it all as a bigger picture. If I just had that, right. I'd be like, oh, God. But because yeah. I've got 28, I see the bigger picture of it all. And for me, I love tattoos represent an evolution of, I. if you watch videos of me back in the day, I used to make fun of tattoos, especially for like actresses. I'd be like, you should be a blank canvas. I don't, I want to see Rachel Berry, not Leah Michelle's hideous green tattoo. <laughs> and then suddenly here I am years later and I love tattoos and for me I love because it's decisive I made a uh-huh. decision to do yeah. something and I you know I, just, I love my ability to be decisive and sell all my possessions or change careers or get a tattoo and a tattoo is permission to see myself differently if I see an old video I'd be like I would never have a tattoo and now I see me I'm like of course I'm Michael Buckley I'm the type of person who easily and often gets tattoos What's the next one? Do you have any more in mind? Like when I want it's a appropriate? Dragon, and not like an ugly mean dragon, but a cartoon fun dragon. Because <laughs> my, my tattoos are pretty. But a dragon represents confidence. A, a dragon doesn't second guess itself. I, a uh-huh. dragon doesn't not worry about how it's showing up in the world. So again, right. if I'm going to have a spirit animal, I'm not going to have some gay unicorn. I'm going to have a goddamn dragon <laughs> who wants to show up powerfully and decisive and amazing. So I want a dragon. I want something Jesus-y because I'm very into God. So I'd like to yes. get some crosses or something. But every time I Google Jesus-y tattoos, they're always weird looking. So I'd like <laughs> some sort of something religious and spiritual and lovely. I mean, that also feels like something you could uh, task out to your followers to submit some. Uh, I'd love, a, I'd love a, a cross and a dragon and, you know, anything. Something cool. Uh, okay. Because so you wrote a book in 2017 called Help My Kid Wants to Be a YouTuber, right? Yes. And this was obviously for parents of children that yes. want to be YouTubers. So this was my career transition because it's interesting because. The coach I was working with on that, I was Mm -hmm. coaching her son on YouTube and she's very successful. She lives in a castle. She probably makes $20 million a year coaching. And so in her brain, she thought, but you should be a life coach or a creative coach for YouTube. That's your 100K a month business. And mm-hmm. so at the time, I wanted to get out of YouTube, but I wanted to use my skills differently. So like that was an interesting, in, like that was an attempt at a career at, between YouTube and life coaching. The problem is I couldn't care less about YouTube. And right. I certainly didn't want to be coaching children. So I'm so glad I did that because that segued me from YouTube to coaching. And that was my in-between coaching, which I was, I enjoyed it. I charged money for it. It was okay, but it wasn't my sweet spot. So that I'm really grateful for that chapter, but that was like an in-between chapter. Ah, and so is this book still available for people? Please don't buy it. Okay. (laughs) I will make money if you buy it, but it's basically a client conversion book, meaning you read the book and then you want Uh. to work with me and I'll get an email saying, you read the book, can you work with me? And I'll say, nope. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for trying to plug my book. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Um, okay, I know that you've been you're you're you promote or not promote you you've broadcast that you've been celibate for a while. Uh, but I what is celibate? I know. I mean, kudos. You've really minimalized your life in so many ways. 
So and much, I- honestly, not being on Grinder or Tinder or Scruff or Bump. I don't ever want to be on an app again. Yeah. I I don't want to interact with someone like that. I'm an outgoing person. If I wish to meet somebody for dating or sex, I know how to go out and do it the old-fashioned way. Right. I um and I love not having sex because I am very sex positive. I went from being monogamously married for 13 years and then I thought I've been missing out. So the next yeah. thing you know, it's group sex, it's orgies, it's anybody can have sex because we're all on prep and and uh-huh. then suddenly you were like, is this what I want? So again, <laughs> I went so far from being monogamously married to being giant whore. I wanted to figure out how to land somewhere in the middle. And uh-huh. so there's something about like, um, I love not having sex just as much as I loved having tons of sex. And I think I'm going to be celibate for at least a year. And I don't even think I'm going to consider dating again until I'm like 50. I think I'm in a deeply committed relationship with myself. I love my relationship with God. I think who I am in the world needs to be single. I think my best value to the world, I can't imagine having someone sitting there over there and be like, you're my partner. I think I'm the greatest love of my life. And so much of my life has been boys and men. And I love, I'm not on the market. I'm not available. If I meet the most spectacular man and he wishes to fall in love with me, I'm not going to begrudge him the pleasure, but I'm certainly (laughs) not out there, you know, but I am amazing and I'm just not going to date someone to spend time with. Like if you're amazing and wish to tap in, slide into my DMs, but it's probably a no. (laughs) I think that's so great. I mean, yeah, because you have so much momentum going. You don't need any anchors holding you back. I was with a boyfriend for four years in college. I was married for 13 years. I know what great love and partnership feels like and I believe there's plenty of that I believe when I'm 50 or 60 I'll pick another life partner and say let's spend from now until death together but I think 20s and 30s was for other people 40s are all for me man so I'm 45 and I've been single and it's been working and it's been delightful <laughs> good for you good it's for you it's another life choice like I don't want you like that is we're brainwashed you should have a beautiful big home and two right. kids and you should want to be famous and you should want who would want a life partner and here's the other thing about being single and I hope people listening hear this. For years, I talked the talk, but I didn't walk the walk because I acted like I liked being single. I was like, no, this is fun. But in the back of my brain, I always thought, but it would be nice to have somebody. Mm. And this is the first time in my life for the last two or three years that I'm like, I'm good, man. I'm good. Like I really enjoy being single and I love thinking single and behaving single. And my life is so full of love and so I've never felt so connected with myself or my greater life purpose. And sometimes when you're in a relationship that can distract you from your own needs and your greater life purpose, because you're so busy trying to be a partner and a spouse and that's lovely. And I don't begrudge you that pleasure, but I'm here to tell you it's not the end all be all. Yeah, totally. And uh, I mean, that's beautiful and a massive uh, uh, challenge for anyone that wants to attempt to slide into a DM of someone that's just so full of love for themselves. (laughs) Because if you don't like being with yourself, there's not enough compliments or sex or Uh relationship quality time that's going to give that to you. So I am 100% good to go in love unconditionally with myself. And someday if I meet someone who also is, then maybe we will make a great partner. But I am, again, 100% whole and enjoying life. So, yay. Good for you. Okay, on that note, we're going to take one last break. When we get back, I have a bunch of really fun Twitter questions for you. So, we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep.
Okay. We're back in, and I'm going to ask you before we get into these Twitter questions, the two questions I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. And the first is, who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Oh, my God. I mean, right now, it's got to be Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, the problem is, he'd enjoy it. He'd probably pay me to piss on him and throw spaghetti on him. <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be Donald Trump. Love yeah. you, praying for you, hoping you turn it around someday. I mean, for all of our sake. Yes. Uh, Okay, the other question I ask every single guest uh, is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases to describe it. So, for instance, mine is college jogging front lawn. (laughs) I'm gay. happens (laughs) honestly no offense but if you're a homosexual and you've had things in your butt sometimes you just shit yourself well welcome (laughs) welcome to being a homosexual because you prep for sex and then suddenly (laughs) i i love that this episode has advice on all levels for all different things (laughs) yeah i remember being a young homosexual and getting ready for sex and then being like oh i'm not done (laughs) (laughs) Again, the guy's watching, no. (laughs) Oh, I I shouldn't have left the house yet. Oh, I love it. Keep wipes Um, in your dashboard. (laughs) Solid tip. Solid tip. Okay, let's get into these Twitter questions. The first one, um, someone had about seven different questions, but I'll just pick one from uh, all of these. And it is, uh, how do you spur yourself into action? Oh, that's a really good question. So, I mean, I I really try and increase and improve my internal motivation. And it's interesting because a lot of times, really, our thoughts are creating our feelings, creating our actions. So if I'm not in action, I'm always seeking to understand why I'm not. Because if I just mm-hmm. jump into action, I'm not really understanding why I'm not taking action. So for me, if I'm not taking action, I'm thinking, what the hell am I feeling? What the hell am I thinking? And then I try and create a thought that will inspire me because I create deliberate inspiration every day. I'm not waiting around to feel motivated and inspired. So I'm using my brain. So again, use your brain to create deliberate, intentional motivation every day. Yay. Yeah. And I think you emphasize this a lot in your Instagram stories about writing shit down. All day, every day. And I think it sounds so simple, but I think it's so impactful to actually do the physicality of writing something down. Because like you say, the amount of thoughts that we have going through our brains unmanaged is like infinite. So you really have to kind of lasso them in a little bit, wrangle them in and see what happens from there. So much goes wrong every day. If you're driving to work, I'm going to be in a good mood. Then you get an email, then you have a weird co-exchange. And then it's like, so that even right now, today I'm showing up joyful, understanding, appreciative and encouraging. I've picked my Mm -hmm. feelings for the day. I know how I'm going to show up today. I'm not waiting for the day to show up to me. So again, I always I always have deliberate mindset. I know how this podcast is going to go. I'm yeah. not waiting for it to be over and to decide, that was fun, Grace. I came in excited. I came in open-hearted. I came in loving you so much. So I know this is going to be fun. <laughs> I I feel like they should redo like the opening scene in Clueless where she's like picking out her outfit on the computer with just like feelings that describe. Just pick out her <laughs> thoughts and her feelings. Right? Yes, exactly. That's amazing. Okay, someone says, um, with your new attitude to life, what advice would you give young Michael? What advice would I give what? 
young Michael, your younger son. Oh my God. I mean, I would, part of me wouldn't want to give him any advice because I'd want him to go through every, I would hate for him to miss any of the growth opportunities. I am 45 years old. I know better and I do better. So I really, I look back at 30 year old, 20 year old with a compassionate lens. So, I mean, I might just say to him, you're going to end up exactly where you need to be. Love yourself unconditionally every step of the way, regardless of yourself. So yes, because there's mm. been times in my life when I've really beat myself up and I've really suffered at the expense of myself. And I'm glad that I did that, but I'm glad I'm on the other side of it. Because yeah. if I didn't do it then, I might have done it at 50 or 60. So again, I wouldn't want young Michael to know anything. He's, he's amazing. I love him. <laughs> Uh, A lot of people are asking kind of the same question. How do you remain so positive? You just radiate joyful vibes. I want to do that too. Someone says the optimism this man has needs to be bottled and sold at J. Crew. How can he be so positive in this world? Yeah. So I always think, what's the alternative? Like, again, mm-hmm. I can be really negative. My brain knows what's, and again, the world is giving me Donald Trump and COVID and racism. So I can easily go down that rabbit hole. So again, even on my posted today, I'm reminding myself to show up joyful. I mm-hmm. get to do this. I don't have to do anything. That's one of my simple shifts. I always say to clients, I have to pick up my kids. I have to do this expense report. You do not have to pick up your kids. You get, it is a luxury. Many women abandon their children. Many people do not do their jobs and get fired. Everything I do is optional. My life, I have a personal mission statement I live in line with every day. So again, I do choose positive emotions over and over, but I'm also really good at allowing and processing my negative emotions. And I'm also good at neutralizing things. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like when you have a terrible life event, you don't need to turn it into a positive. You at least need to neutralize it or like I'm doing right now, seeing the growth opportunity. Yes, there's COVID. Yes, there's racism. Uh, Yes, there's Donald Trump in office. I'm not waiting for that to go away for me to feel better. I'm responsible for my emotions every day. That's great. And would you say that it's really practicing over time to be able to do that on such an easier, like autopilot type of way? Yeah. And it's definitely writing it down because I read all the books. I read your The Secret. I read You're a Badass. I believe all that shit and it's all helpful. But if you're just reading that book, then you're just a consumer of self-help. You need to take the book or take the podcast and write the shit down. If I wasn't doing this every day, it wouldn't be sticking. So when I first started doing this, there was plenty of wiggle room. And even as as not far back as 2018, I wasn't writing every day. I was still having hit or miss months emotionally, financially, spiritually. And then the more I kept doing the work, like I look at this journal, this is my journal from... And it's a VidCon journal. Thank you, Hank and John Green. Last time I've ever been, and we'll probably go to VidCon. Maybe the 20-year anniversary. This is September 2019 to April of this year. This is the best work I've ever done on myself. This is the stuff I always look back on. I'm like, oh my God. I've solved so many things. I've coached myself through so many things. I've picked power. And people sometimes message me and say, How do I journal? If you're not going to just write down journaling like, oh, dear diary, give yourself an amazing question. How can I like and love myself a little bit more today? How can I be an example of what is possible today? How can I live in line more with my purpose today? How can I be a more loving mother, coworker, spouse today? Give your brain some direction. If you ask yourself an amazing question, you will come up with amazing answers. So 
that's my journaling tip. If you're watching, like, what is journaling? <laughs> no, I think that's great. You need a writing prompt. You need something, something. to kind of launch you into it. Um, this is my question. With all of this, with all this work that you're doing, would you ever do like a Tony Robbins type of like convention tour live show situation? Yes. I mean, I think that's in my future. I'm okay. so enjoying where I'm at right now. And I'm making sure I'm doing that because as a YouTuber, I never enjoyed where I was at. I was mm. always looking backwards to when it was going well or in the future. So I never really savored it. Like if I look back at my peak YouTube years, I never really enjoyed them. I was yeah. always either thinking this is going to go away tomorrow or yeah. whatever. So now I'm so enjoying the work I'm doing that I don't want to lose sight of it. So again, that is a goal. I would love to do that. I would love to, you know, have a podcast, have a live motivational speaking tour. And I do see that in my future. Yes. Cool. But okay, I'm very much enjoying today. <laughs> that's very exciting. Um, someone wants to know, what do you miss most about YouTube? Um. I want to say, I don't, I mean, I miss seeing you more because like I'd see you at a event. I mean, I miss, yeah. I miss the friendships and the connections. I don't, I'm not someone though who missed because I, here's the thing too, what I was just, this is what I was just speaking to. I'm so present focused. All I'm thinking about right now is I'm so glad I get to spend a couple minutes with Grace. And the, so I let myself look into the future and I have an eye on that, but I'm so present focused. So I just don't go backwards very much. Yeah. You said, what do you miss about high school and doing the musicals? What do you miss about YouTube? the easy money, yeah. <laughs> the easy money. Like it was very easy to get money thrown. I know, but I don't, I miss, I don't miss things. I'm just so yeah. enjoying life. I miss seeing you and, you know, some of my YouTube friends more often than I yeah. used to have, like see you twice a year. So I miss that, but I love, you know, being friends on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with you, you know? Totally. Totally. I think that's great. Cause there is like the, uh, there's a tendency, like kind of what you mentioned before, if you start indulging in missing something, you start like romanticizing this thing yeah. that might not have been the way that it actually was for you, yeah. uh, which is not necessarily the healthiest thing. Speaking of not healthy, which Housewives franchise was the most difficult to give up? Oh my, well, I, st so I stayed with New York the longest because I am from Connecticut and Massachusetts and spent lots of time in New York city. So uh -huh. in terms of me relating to a certain type of woman, like, I'm like, I get these women, like I yeah. watch other, like I watch OC. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Same, I don't same. get it. Um, I love uh, Beverly Hills. I've clung to a little bit too, because I do like Erica Jane and I do select, I like Kyle every other season, like Kyle's fine. And then she's not. So again, mm -hmm. it's interesting. So I've, I've, I've hung in with New York and Beverly Hills the longest. OC got true. I kept with OC and then Kelly was mean and Vicky and Tamara were mean and yelling. And it just, yeah. again, that's where New York is right now. New York, New York has hit a wall and they, yeah. you, Luann isn't a strong enough Bethany to be the central figure. I was hoping Luann would be the central figure. She's not strong enough to be the central figure. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I feel like you should be involved in the casting of potential uh, new seasons. Andy, call me. I would Save love us. to help, but I'd love to put together an aspirational group of women to, yeah. to root for. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, someone wants to know, what do you miss the most about the East Coast? I miss being close to Broadway. I mean, I love going to New York and seeing two or three shows a week. I mm -hmm. miss 
being close to Cape Cod and being part of the ocean. Like Colorado is beautiful, but there is no ocean. So we've got the mountains, we've got beautiful weather. But I do, you know, in 10 years, I'm sure I'll be living like halftime on Cape Cod and halftime somewhere else. But um, yeah, I do miss the ocean and I do miss the Broadway. And I also miss, again, I'm very fast talking, fast walking. People here are slower. That's not an insult. But you know, I'm used to a New York person who walks fast, talk fast, thinks fast. And so I'm very much an East Coast person. (laughs) Well, I'm excited for you to be, uh, to share the the wealth of yourself with the East Coast eventually. Thank you. Uh, Okay, last question before we wrap up. And I could talk to you for three more hours very easily. I know. I love you so much. Thank you so much. This has been so so lovely. Oh, I agree. Okay. Uh, Stephanie says, your life has changed pretty drastically since the start of your YouTube career. What does your average day look like now? So I wake up every day around 7.30. I let the dog out. I put the coffee on. I come downstairs, I get dressed in my uniform of J. Crew sweater, <laughs> tech pants, and I wear the same. I get dressed every day. And then I work um, for this wonderful senior living company, Aero Senior Living, shout out. And I am I am their coach. I do personal development and leadership. And I'm on calls for about seven or eight hours a day with their leadership team. And so it, that's such a wonderful story of someone who my Amanda, who hired me as her life coach and then said, I have this company and it became four people, nine people, everybody. And so that is, I do take one-on-one clients occasionally, but most of my day is with Aero Senior Living. So if you're looking for a job, it's an amazing company to work for and you've got access to a life coach. There you go. That's incredible. And then at night, I'm now I'm reading and learning. But you, as Grace knows, my evenings were playing recreational soccer four days uh-huh. a week. So it is my life is. And everybody listening, I'm 45 years old. 41 <laughs> year old me does not recognize me. I have a different career. I'm full of tattoos. I play flag football and recreational indoor and outdoor <laughs> soccer. And I, again, I love that. I did. Uh-huh. If I was still living in Connecticut making YouTube videos, that uh, I don't know. I don't know how much longer that would have lasted. Uh-huh. But again, no wonder I was drinking so much because I could barely manage that. And now yeah. I know in five or 10 years, if it's time to do something else again, I bring it on, man. Like it's That's not, so it's, life is not linear. Always be willing and open to evolve into new and amazing versions of yourself spiritually, emotionally, financially, like that. Otherwise, yeah. well, what the hell, man? From now until death, who do you want to be? You get to decide every day. Yes. Uh, yes. I love that. Also, uh, if you guys really want to see what Michael's life is like, just follow his Instagram story. He is very candid, very, uh, consistently posting over there. I love it. Literally, the reason that I have any following on Instagram (laughs) story is because Grace or Elliot or Mamrie or someone once a year says, hey, check out Buck, and then I get a couple hundred followers. So thank you. Yes, on Instagram story, hey, Michael Buckley, I'm on there all day. And if you are interested in coaching, I have my highlights tab coaching nine, coaching seven, coaching six. So go there and listen and learn and start writing some stuff down. Great. Michael, this has been so wonderful. As always, you'll have to come back in the future and do a whole part two and we'll just get more into all of it um, because I think it's all extremely relevant for a lot of people right now. Um, But before we go, usually when we do these uh, podcasts in person, we have a personalized fortune cookie from us to our guest who's made time. But 
because of this way where you have a virtual fortune cookie. So feel free to go open that little email right now. I have a fortune cookie and it says, <laughs> we would like to remind everyone that Gemini's are not two-faced. They simply see every side. Gemini's are not easily distracted. They just want to try everything and most definitely not nosy. They just want the whole story. I love that fortune. That's pretty spot on. Thank uh, you. Michael, where can people, like you said, they can follow you on Instagram and your stories and yeah, see your tabs? Yeah, I mean, I, you, I have a website, heymichaelbuckley.com. I keep a blog over there. I do maintain a pretty active Instagram story. So if you look at my Instagram and it doesn't seem like I post a lot, I am on Instagram story all day. <laughs> just uh-huh. trying to add joy and possibility to the world. And I love that. And that does, that satisfies my desire to create content without having to make a YouTube video and edit it and promote it and care if people see it. So I do have thousands of people watching and engaging with me. And that gives me a little joy. That gives me love, lovely joy and gives me a relationship with people who did. They thought fondly of what the bot 10 years ago and they would like to keep up with me in some way. And so Instagram story is my way of doing that. So it'd be, it would be lovely to see you over there. <laughs> I love it. Thank you again for making time. Thank this you, was Grace. So I love you. I adore fun. you. I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to see what your next chapter in your life is going to be. It's a coming. Uh, and make sure you guys go follow Michael. He's nothing but joy radiating constantly. And it is just so lovely with all the everything that's happening. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus, post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>